0: Hey everyone, my name is Dave Nixon and welcome to another episode of the Peak and Flow podcast. Today I would like to talk about dysregulation. So one of the things I see a fair amount more, I guess, now on social media is how to regulate. So when I feel dysregulated, here are some soothing techniques to allow myself to regulate. It could be breathing, it could be changing the environment, it could be thinking of positives, it could be doing a, a shock to the system like an ice bath, many things that actually we teach here, funnily enough, but a lot of the time it's going, here's how to um, down-regulate or re-regulate or regulate, really is the term, um, when you are dysregulated. That's fine. Those tools are helpful to deal with the symptom of dysregulation, yet dysregulation is is not the default. So what's so important here is why am I dysregulated? If I cannot get to why am I dysregulated, then what's going to continually happen is that I'll continually be dysregulated, then I'm going to have to try and regulate back. And then I'll be dysregulated, then I'll regulate back. And so let's have a look at what we first mean with dysregulation and regulation. And usually it's starting to look at the nervous system more than anything and breathing plays a role in that. What a lot of people don't talk about is meaning-making or what Porges called neuroception and actually basically how we're, how we're taking in the world and therefore how we are making meaning about that. And when I say Porges, I'm talking about Dr. Stephen Porges from polyvagal theory that really brought forward a lot of this down-regulation and, and regulation of our nervous system through the vagus nerve. So there's, there's that work. But what fundamentally is crucial here is why am I dysregulated? If I cannot get to the problem behind the symptom, so the problem behind the problem, if I'm dysregulated, that's a problem. How do I regulate? No, that's the symptom. That's not the problem. The problem is causing the dysregulation. What's that? And if we blame something outside of us, the environment, something else that someone else is doing, uh, something triggering me out there, what we're doing is putting things outside of our control so we're always at cause and effect of whatever those things are. And that's not true. So, therefore, how do we go, why did that trigger me? What's going on for me on the inside to cause that trigger that caused me to dysregulate, right? And another way to think of dysregulation, because all of your nervous system is is normal and functioning and useful and important, it's is my reaction, reaction or response, is it contextually appropriate? And if not, then why am I reacting this way, reactioning a behavior, reactioning a response this way? And that's going to allow us to come back to why I'm actually being dysregulated, not just regulating. Now, in saying that, it's still important to be able to have these tools that allow us to be able to uh, catch when we're not at our best or when, something's, or when we're heightened or aroused in relation to anxiety or something like that, and then be able to go okay I just caught that how do I bring myself back to this moment using my breath using my body as a scan check or going for a walk or having a break or going out into the environment something along those lines and our ability to do that is great but if we never if we never get to the actual problem behind the problem then the difficulty then is that this we are always going to be a victim to whatever is triggering that outside of us So, how do we do that? Well, firstly, we've got to look at it and go, how do I ground my thinking? How do I ground my thinking? And what I mean by that is be able to go, so I can do all these tangible things. I can breathe. I can go for a walk. I can go out in nature. I can pat a puppy. All that sort of stuff allows me to regulate my nervous system. That's great. What is going on for me on the inside Now, when we go to subjectivity, our mental landscape, our meaning-making, our map of reality, when we go to that, it's exceptionally hard to objectify it and to ground it in reality. So what we need are some frameworks or bodies of work that allow us to be able to identify particular patterns in thinking to go, that's that occurring. Right, okay, I can see that I'm doing that again. So why am I responding that way in mind that's causing this physical reaction? Right? Because... The same thing can happen, and I've used this example before. At one of our retreats, we had an uninvited guest come into the house. I know, it was a baby tiger snake, right? Crazy. It's a one-of-a-kind experience. What can I say? But people responded to that differently. So the, the, some people saw the snake as a threat, and they reacted a particular way. Some people also knew that they had to be cautious with it, but they had to make sure that they kept some space from it, but they wanted to check it out. But it's the same trigger, so why are people responding differently? Well, a big part of the meaning-making came from that. The lady that ran away from it, her dad, she grew up on a hobby farm. Her dad's like, kids get inside, there's a snake, I'll take care of it, right? So there was this fear built up from a very young age around a snake and never having to actually confront it or deal with it. Funnily enough, my wife, who grew up in the same area as her on another hobby farm, was curious because her dad didn't do that with her. Neither right nor wrong in either of the responses, but her dad showed her from a distance, this is what they look like, this is what their behavior is, and this is, you know, they're not out to hurt at all, so how do we actually move it and get rid of it and so forth. Two massive different responses, and what happened is that there was massive different meaning made about the particular event. And so this is a beautiful example here of going, there's a reaction, there's a dysregulation of some sorts, but what role is meaning making playing in that as well? It's crucial. So if we cannot get to what meaning have I made about this event, then I can never deal with the problem behind the symptom. I'm only ever dealing with a symptom and I'm actually handing the power over to the symptom. Have you ever had an example where maybe somebody, you know, back in the day you, they would call you on the phone and you'd see their name or like you get a message you see the name and you get this like instant anxious response, right? This instant <clears throat> like something along those lines response to seeing someone's name on your phone. Then maybe a year later or 2 years later that same person messaged you or called you and you're like, what does this person want? Completely different response. What changed? What changed for you? on the inside that allowed that response to be different. That's what I'm getting at here. When we can get to that juice, when we can ground that, and the bodies of work I mentioned before, Dr. Michael Hall and R.A. Maus put together both cognitive intentions and metaprograms, which are patterns of thinking. They're things you can go by their books and read them, right? A little bit dry, but they allow us to grasp these different types of patterns of thinking and ground them and being like, right, that's what's coming up for me. That's the context of my thinking. What's the positive intention behind that type of thinking based upon where this may have worked for me before? right? My reaction worked for me a particular way when I was younger, and it may no longer be producing a positive outcome, but when I was younger, it did. So, there's a positive intention to get that outcome, but now as an adult, I'm not getting that. This allows me to start to actually go, what's within my power? The four things, right? Thoughts, feelings, behaviors, speech. Two, physical. Two, subjective. And so our ability to actually look at all four of those areas, not just behavior and speech, and not giving the power away to everything else outside of us, allows us to start to deal with the problem behind the problem. Someone just got an idea. <laughs> so this is mind and matter that we're looking at here. Not mind over matter, not matter over mind. It's mind and matter. And the whole idea of going down this path as murky as it is, as subjective as it is, is encouraging people not just, just to take a mental panadol right i've got this mental difficulty i'm feeling it in my body so i'm going to go move right you're just dealing with a symptom you're just just giving yourself penadol to a headache so why do i have a headache to use that analogy not just give yourself a penadol and move on sometimes a penadol useful but if we if that's all we're doing if we get a headache and always take a penadol then we're going to run into some problems later on in life for sure and on that, note, on that note, team, I'm done. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean the well to me if you'd share it with someone else that you think would also enjoy it. Uh, you can find out more about the retreats and events we run uh, with links in the, in the show notes. Otherwise, that's me done. I'm out. Until next time, peace and pizza. I'll see you soon.